Grace and mercy and peace be with you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. If you uh, are just joining us or if you haven't been here in the last three weeks as a church this summer, we are working our way through the first 25 chapters of Genesis and just kind of taking it one, uh, one little section at a time. And so we're in the fourth week here, therefore we're in the fourth chapter, and so far we have seen in Genesis 1 and 2, God, by simply speaking, by bringing his word into existence, his word spoke, and all that is was made. It was the word of God that spoke all things into existence, and it was the word of God that spoke to the man and the woman and told them exactly what they should do and exactly what they should not do. Last week in Genesis 3, however, we watched as the man and the woman did exactly the opposite of what God had told them to do. They ate the fruit that God said not to eat. They were tempted to be like God, and their eyes were opened. In Genesis 3, we, yes, last week we saw the fall into sin, and therefore we saw the effects of sin. Just think of it. In Genesis 3, we were introduced to all of these things. Temptation, doubt, rebellion, shame, and blame. Covering up and hiding, lying, deception, separation, broken relationships, pain, death. All right there in Genesis 3 by simply the creation rebelling against their creator's simple word. Now, as we enter into Genesis 4, sin intensifies very, very quickly. We'll get to more of this in just a second, but here's what happened. We just read it, but let me just retell the story. We meet two of Adam and Eve's children. Their names are Cain and Abel. Cain is the older brother, Abel's the younger one. Now, you would expect, according to traditional things, or the way at least it seemed like things went, uh, or were supposed to go in the scriptures, that the older brother was supposed to be um, kind of more the favorite one. Or maybe not in terms of like how you feel about it, but at least in terms of receiving the inheritance and having family leadership. Well, what we see first with Cain, and what we're going to see repeated uh, throughout the book of Genesis, is that oftentimes God's plan for families is different. Uh, his plan is oftentimes upside down and backwards from what we would expect to happen. So while Cain should be the favored one, here is what happens. Cain is a farmer. He works the ground, and Abel is a shepherd. He tends to the sheep. Now one day they bring respective offerings of what they're working on to the Lord uh, as an offering to him. Now you see actually right here what a, what a, what a, what a great thing this is, uh, that they were not even commanded to offer these offerings. They just simply did it as an acknowledgement that God was their God, and he gave to them what it is that they had, and so they returned their portion to him. What the scriptures tell us about Cain's offering is it just simply says Cain brought some fruit. That's the description we have of Cain's offering. Of Abel's offering, we have more description. It says that Abel brought the firstborn of his flock. So Abel's uh, offering was kind of right off the bat. Uh, you get the gist, kind of the feeling that it was more sacrificial. It was the firstborn. And then the scriptures also tell us that he included also the fat portions 
of that. Now, the fat portions were highly treasured and valued pieces, and so we get the feel that Abel's offering is one that is sacrificial. So, so Abel gave sacrificially, and Cain just kind of simply gave. Does that make sense? Cain just gave, and, and Abel gave sacrificially. Now, we learn in the scriptures that it says that God is delighted with Abel's offering, but not so much with Cain's offering. Now, we can read into that a bit, that, you know, Abel gave, a, gave sacrificially and Cain just gave, but we don't know necessarily God's rationale behind why he's delighted with Abel's and not with Cain's. We just have what we have here. He's delighted with Abel's and not with Cain's. And this upsets Cain. It upsets Cain. And so God speaks to Cain and says this in verses 6 and 7. He says, Why are you angry, Cain? And why does your face fall? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. God can see it coming. God knows what is in the heart of Cain. He can see the jealousy building in Cain. He can feel the anger and wrath in Cain's heart. And so he tells Cain to rule over that sin. He's saying, Cain, you cannot let this sin have mastery over you. But what does Cain do? He goes out into the field with his brother, and he kills his brother. He kills his brother. This is the first death recorded in the Bible. Last week in Genesis 3, we talked about the final consequence of sin is death. But at that point, you just kind of get the gist that, yeah, people will die, right? They'll, they'll come to a natural end of, of life, and it will be a peaceful end of their lives. Well, death enters the world in different ways, in tragic ways, in hate-filled ways. And this is the first death recorded in the Bible. Brother murders brother. How sad. God finds his brother, or God finds Cain. God finds Cain, he searches Cain out, and he says to Cain, he says to Cain, where is your brother? If you were here last week, if you read Genesis 3, you can almost hear the echo of what God had said to Cain's father, Adam, after his sin. Remember, God came to Adam after he sinned and said, Adam, where are you? Right, right? Remember, Adam was hiding. And so that's an echo here to Cain. Cain, where is your brother? When God spoke to Adam, Adam tried to pass off the blame. He tried to skirt the issue. He tried to say, well, the woman did it. You know, he tried to uh, pass it off. When God asks Cain, where is your brother? Cain just shows a complete disregard for God. Because he speaks to God in, in a very... Uh, a very disregarding way. He says to God, I don't know. What, am I my brother's keeper? He flat out lies to God. What? What do you expect of me? You see the intensity of sin happening here. Anger, jealousy, murder, lying. How quickly sin has intensified from last week to this and how deadly sin is. How deadly sin is. Now, 
I don't know this for a fact. I don't, I don't personally know every single one of you and your backgrounds in this room. I don't know for a fact that we don't have any murderers here in this room, all right? Now, I say that kind of half-heartedly, but also kind of seriously, right? I don't know. I don't know if we have any murderers in this room. If you are, God's grace is sufficient for you. But whenever I'm teaching the Ten Commandments, one of my favorite things to do is to, to tell people, hey, look at the Ten Commandments. Uh, go through all of these things. And then uh, tell me if there's any of these commandments that you have been able to keep. All right? Are there any commandments that you've been able to keep? And so as people scan through the Ten Commandments, oftentimes, uh, especially younger people, will look and, and they'll say, you shall not murder. Ah, I did it. I did it. I have not murdered anybody. I kept one of the commandments. Well, have you read Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 5? We read them just a minute ago. Jesus said this, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is what, angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Do you hear Jesus echoing back to Genesis chapter 4? Now, don't read into this too literally. Those of you who have sisters... Uh, this is also uh, applicable for you. It's not just a sin against your brother. This is uh, very much, a, you know, anybody, your neighbor, anybody who you are angry at. Do you hear it hearkening back to Genesis 4, though? What had God said to Cain when, 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 when Cain was getting angry? God had said to Cain, Cain, I see that you are angry, right? Why are you angry? Sin is crouching at your door. You must rule over it. And Jesus is telling us, do not let anger rule over you. Go. Jesus continues here. Go and be reconciled to your brother. Go be reconciled to your sister. Go be reconciled to whoever it is that you have divisions with. And do it when? Right now. Do it quickly, Jesus says. You must not let sin rule over you. I ask my friends kind of rhetorically, but I do want you to think about this. What's the sin that plagues you most? What's the sin that affects you the most? What's the sin that you are very easily tempted to fall quickly into? Every single one of us are, are more susceptible to certain sins over and above other ones. For some of you, it is anger. Some of you are quick to anger. For some of you, it is jealousy. For some of you, it's the need to control. For some of you, it is fear, worry, anxiety. Some of you, addiction. What is the sin that most often you fall into? Sin is crouching at your door. And what does the Word of God tell us today? You must rule over it. You must. Well, thanks be to our gracious God that we do not have to do it alone. We do not have to do it alone. The greatest source of rule and authority over your sin is the Lordship of Jesus Christ. 
Christ. Jesus Christ is Lord even over your sin. Jesus rules over your sin. Because you have life in Christ, therefore in Christ, you also are able to rule over your sin. So when you feel afflicted and tempted, call upon the name of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for deliverance. The evil one, he is seeking to devour every one of you. The scripture says he prowls around like a lion trying to devour those who believe in Jesus. Sin is crouching at your door. It wants mastery over you, but it is contrary to God's word. And by the power and lordship of Jesus Christ, you must rule over it. Do not give in to sin. Do not. And for those of you who have conflicts raging in your life, with people in particular who are close to you, if it is anger or jealousy or what have you, go and be reconciled. Do it. And do it quickly. And do it in the name of Jesus Christ, for that is what Jesus has called us to do. I want to take you back into Genesis 4 here. After the death of Abel, Cain is banished from the land. He was supposed to work the land like his father was, but now... The land is stained with the blood of his brother. Now, while Adam would have to work the land with sweat and hard work, for Cain, the land is just not going to cooperate at all. Cain is concerned for his life. He says he's going to be a wanderer. He says his punishment is too great. He says somebody's going to find me and kill me. He's so worried about himself. But God still gives grace and protection even to this sinner and murderer because God puts a mark on Cain to protect him all the days of his life. We also learn here... This is, a, this is a, a kind of a side note, but important for us to think about. We also learn here in Genesis 4 that Cain takes a wife, and he marries. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but actually this is, for those who are skeptics of the Bible, who really kind of know the Bible but don't believe it, this is one of the most often asked questions and challenges to Christian people. Oftentimes skeptics will say, hmm, where did Cain get his wife? Because <laughs> if you're just reading through, right? If, if we're just readers, you go, all right, Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel. Abel's dead. Cain, and then the story goes on, Cain is married. <laughs> right? And so some people say, where did Cain get his wife? Well, let me just tell you this so you can have a defense of the faith. We believe from Genesis, uh, because it says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 20, that Eve was the mother of all the living. All the living. It's in the Hebrew. She is the mother of all the living. So all the living come from Eve. All right? And in Genesis chapter 5, verse 4, it says, Adam had many other sons and daughters. So Cain uh, very likely married his sister or a niece or something like that, as would have had to happen. And if you just think about it, the scriptures don't tell us how quickly Cain got married. It doesn't say he got married immediately. And it says that Adam had other sons and daughters who are not mentioned here. Adam lived 930 years. How many other sons and daughters do you think he had? Quite a lot, right? 
Right, quite a lot. So, so likelihood of uh, Cain having a spouse who is a family member of his, that is how it all happened. So we have this uh, interesting little genealogy of Cain as well. Um, and the way the genealogy is written uh, is, is to basically say, here's the genealogy of Cain. And what we want you to learn from the genealogy of Cain is that this branch of the tree is messed up and it is broken and you're not going to hear much about it again. It's basically saying, this is Cain's lineage. It's messed up. It's broken. We're not going to hear about it much again. But at the end of the genealogy is what is important. Because what we see is that Adam and Eve have Cain. They have Abel. Abel is dead. Cain is essentially dead. Adam and Eve have another son. And his name is Seth. His name is Seth. And Seth is the seed that God is planting, who will be the who will have the offspring that will be the one to crush the head of the serpent. Remember Genesis 3:15, God had promised that an offspring from the woman would come and would crush the head of the serpent. Well, this is the branch of the tree that it will happen from. And we'll learn it later in the Gospels. The lineage of Jesus comes through this line of Seth. All right. At the end of the day, when we're reading Genesis chapter 4, if we go 1, 2, 3, 4, if we're reading it quickly, it sure seems like God's perfect creation is perfectly and utterly spinning out of control. It sure looks like sin has separated what is good and holy. Deception has led to death. Anger and jealousy have led to murder. So where is God in it all? You, you, you kind of ask the question, where is God as all of this is unfolding? But he's there. And God is still God. And God is still good. And God has a plan. And God is working out his plan through the seed of Seth. God's plan is the same for us as well. It may seem that sin is crouching at your door. It may feel as though sin has mastery over you. But I want to remind you of your reality today that Jesus is Lord. He is Lord. He is Lord even over your sin. So will you allow him to be that? Jesus has already claimed victory over your sin. He's already said you are forgiven and beloved. Will you receive his forgiveness today? Will you forgive yourself? Will you forgive as you've been forgiven? It is already done and paid for. You are washed clean in the blood of the Lamb. Do you believe it? You are forgiven. Live according to the forgiveness you have received as a gift. Do not let sin rule over you. God is still God. God is still good. And God is working out his plan in this world. He's already died to forgive you. He's already risen to give you eternal life. And he will come again for you to make all things new this is true. In Jesus' name, amen.